So my first job away from the farm, away on somebody else's farm, my first job, uh, really wanted to impress, wanted to, uh, to show that I could really do it, uh, had what it takes, and so they sent me out to tear down a garage door. It was a really big, old garage door. And so I'm casing it out, and, and I'm looking at it. I've got my crowbar, so I start wrenching on it and wrenching on it. I actually had no idea what I was doing, but you tear things down, you tear things down. I got my maul, I'm hammering, I'm hammering, and, and next thing you know, I'm screaming bloody murder. My thumb is on fire. It's like somebody cut it off. Well, it turns out I had put my thumb in the rail. And in all the, all the hammering and all the pulling and all the pushing, that garage door came down on my thumb. And that roller is stuck on my thumb. One of the funny things is I was screaming for about a minute, maybe a little bit longer, and then I realized there's no one here to hear me screaming. It's, it's not doing any good. So at that moment, I actually went from flight, how do I get away from this? How do I get away from the suffering? To fight. Right? What do I do with the suffering? So just think about that for a minute. Think about the suffering either that you've experienced in the past or the suffering you're in right now. Fight or flight? What do you do? How do you interact with it? What's that feel like? Like I, I got to get out of here. At all costs, I got to get out of here. Or fight. I've got to stop it. I've got to, I've got to stop the injustice. I've got to go to war with it. Well, fortunately, I did work my thumb out from underneath there, and it did hurt for a couple of weeks. But, that, but that's kind of a silly, kind of a silly suffering. As we jump in today, I want you to think through when you've suffered because you tried to do good. When you set out to do good, and as you set out to do good, instead of being returned with uh, praise and adulation, it actually took you into suffering. I think about working with couples in re-engage, and uh, couples will come in, and, and they're both at war. They're just at war with each other. It doesn't matter what they do, they're at war with each other. And so it doesn't matter what subject you bring up. You bring up that subject, they're ready to go to war with each other. And then one of them, the light turns on. They're like, oh, oh, wait. I married them to love them, not to change them. I marry, I'm going to begin to appreciate who they are. I'm going to interact with them that way. And you watch one of them take steps. And you watch them, even in group, say really awesome things about their spouse. But the other spouse, hasn't, they haven't caught on at all. And they use it as an opportunity to hurt the one who's trying to, to do good. You may be in that situation. Add in divorce and children. Add in the different areas of life where you say, listen, I tried to do good, but I, I wasn't able to. Fight or flight? Today, we're going to ask this question, is those, are those the only two options? Is the only two options is I'm going to fight or I'm going to flee? Is there a third option, which is, can I learn the value of suffering? Can I find value in 
that suffered. And so we're going to take a look in a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, let me lay out what was happening before. You can whip there in your Bibles or whip it out in your phone. You've got your notes. Um, Paul has been sent by God, been sent by Christ to go to the Gentiles and uh, throughout to, to the plant new churches all throughout um, Asia, different areas. He shows up in these towns. He speaks to people. Now, I want you to understand Paul's situation. Paul did not live off of the offerings of the people. He actually was a tent maker. So he had a part-time job or a full-time job and did this work as well. So everything he's doing, he is doing, he is doing the giving as he's involved in this ministry. And as we work through this passage, they've really been complaining about him. The people he loved and cared for, they've really been complaining about him. And he's going to walk through, how do you not lose heart? How do you not give up? How do you not quit when you get suffering for, for, in return for doing good? Man, you're set out to do good but you get suffering back. How do you not quit? How do you not give up? And so let's jump into that passage here. Uh, he starts with talking about the goodness of God, the, the glory of God, and how God has given him the gift of being able to share Christ with other people. If you're here this morning and you haven't accepted Christ yet, you haven't experienced that yet, you don't know what this is talking about, um, everything that Skyline is about is we want you to experience what it's like to know that you're forgiven, what it's like to know that you're going to heaven, what it's like to know that God knows you and cares about you. And so in their culture, in their time, was very much human misery is very much the same throughout time. They lived in fear. They lived under slavery. They lived under persecution. They lived under all of these things, and then they came to find God. They came to find Christ, and it changed them from the inside out. And, God, and he, he set, starts it off by saying this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. What treasure is he talking about? He's talking about that treasure that Christ can change you from the inside. God's glory, God's goodness, what he can do to you, what it's like to know that God has made you to be everything he ever wanted you to be. He's changed you. You and him don't have a wall between each other. You, you're at peace. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And then he says this, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We, Paul's life was full of beatings, being shipwrecked, being jailed, going hungry. And he, in his travels, he had amazing suffering that took place. So as we talk about this suffering, he is not talking about getting his thumb caught in the garage door and then hurting for a couple weeks. He is talking about, wow, Real, things that would cause you to go, I'm done. I've had it. Why, why would I do this anymore? 
But he had a perspective, and this was his perspective. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Simple principle, pretty hard to grab a hold of. People see Jesus in our suffering, not our success. People will see Jesus in our suffering, not our success. Paul understood that everything that not Jesus just taught, but he lived was this. Jesus came, and the way that he changed the world was he died. He didn't change the world just through his teaching and just through his healing. He changed the world through his suffering. God takes suffering and turns it upside down. He reveals how truly powerful and good he is. When I'm in suffering, I want flight. God, take away this suffering. How many of you have you said, where is God? I don't see God. He's not taking away the suffering. Paul said the exact opposite. He said, no, 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 no. They will actually see God through me as I suffer, as they watch me suffer. That was his principle. Then he says this, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who was raised, who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us to you himself. His, he keeps talking, he keeps sharing Christ while he's failing. So we, tend to, we can tend to read the New Testament and, and learn about Paul, and to me, Paul's a hero. Like, he's changed, Paul changed the world by taking what Christ had to say and spreading it around the world. And so I came to know Christ. And you came to know Christ because of what Paul did. He's my hero. If you'd have met him during his ministry, he was a great teacher with an incredible education. He was one of the most important people in Judaism, left it all to be a tent maker, make paycheck to paycheck, and get thrown in prison a lot. He was a failure. It, by any measurement, if you met him, you'd be like, don't want that guy's life. I don't want that guy's life. But he kept talking about Christ. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overglow, overflow to the glory of God. Paul kept talking about Christ because his faith in Christ did not come from success. It didn't come from lack of suffering. His faith in Christ is, I know Christ rose from the dead. I know he did. I know that exact same spirit is alive in me. 
If you're going to find value in suffering, it's by faith. It's by faith. It's by looking at who Jesus is and what he has done, understanding Jesus lives in you. That same spirit that lived in Paul lives in you and will bring you to life too. This isn't the end. Then he says this, therefore, we do not lose heart. All right, that's our question. How do you not lose heart in the midst of suffering? He, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, don't know totally what that means, but it can't be good, right? That cannot be good. You never go, hey, how you doing? Great, I'm wasting away. It's not what we say. Yet innerly we are being renewed day by day. How does he have that perspective? How does that even happen? How do you be suffering and going, it's getting better? And I don't mean the suffering. I mean something is happening inside of me. I'm getting stronger on the inside. How does that happen? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Okay, this sentence is core to what we're talking about today. First of all, our light, they're not heavy. Wait a minute, we're talking about, what did he say again? Pressed down, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Why would he call them light? Does he just not live in reality? Is he one of those people... I make fun of all the time. The people who are positive all the time, they're happy, 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 and positive, 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 even though terrible things are happening because they don't live in reality. That's not, that's not who he was. Why would he call it light? Because he was comparing it to something else. Because he was comparing it to something else. If I have a 200-pound weight here, did that backwards. If I have a 50-pound weight here, you're like, that's pretty heavy. Right. Unless I have a 200-pound weight over here. Now that one's pretty light. He's comparing it to something else. He says it later. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The glory that is going to come from these troubles far outweighs. It's way heavier. It's way bigger than the trials I'm going through right now. The other contrast is momentary troubles to eternal glory. He called them momentary troubles. These troubles lasted about 30 years. Or most of his life. Most of his adult life. But he said they were momentary. They were very short. Compared to what? Eternity. Well, of course, again, that amount of time 
compared to eternity, wow, that's, this is not happening very long. So here's our big idea for today. Our big idea, that, uh, next, next slide is measuring suffering by the unseen. Measuring suffering. Before we jump into that, there is a habit that a lot of us have. We, we use this. We try to encourage each other with this. We try to build each other up with this. And that, that's that. They're like, oh, yes, I know you're going through trouble, but other people have it a whole lot worse. So I'm, gonna, uh, I'm an expert in this because of Lori's arthritis. We'll meet people. We'd meet people lots of times. They'd be like, oh, you have arthritis, da, 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 da. And Lori's hurting. She's hurting. And they'd be like, oh, I know so-and-so. And they would tell this story about how it was worse than Lori's. Make my blood boil. I'd be like, I don't, how bad this other person has it does not make Lori feel better. Don't do that. If you have light suffering, maybe that works. It doesn't work with the real thing. So the pictures that we showed there was fathers whose children have cerebral palsy. And they're doing marathons with their with their kids. And in this picture, in this life, we try to come up with ways to explain how that's going to be okay, how it's all going to even out, how it's somehow all right. But if your suffering is true suffering, those things don't work. They do not add up. They used to say to, to say to us when we were in Bible college, they used to say, listen, hey, the re- I'm sure the reason you're going through that suffering is God's got great things prepared for you. What? You don't need the suffering that we're going through? Like, what? That's not the answer. That's, that's not God's answer. God's answer is that when we focus on the spiritual and the eternal, Suffering can make sense. If you focus on what's actually happening spiritually to someone's heart and what's actually going to happen for all of eternity and you look at eternity, then suffering can make sense. If you don't, it can't and it won't. Whatever description that we give, whatever way that we come up with going, listen, yeah, in the end, it's, it, it worked out okay that they had cerebral palsy. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Unless there's eternity. Unless our lives are not our bodies. Unless we're not just Physical animals running around on the face of this earth, but we are actually eternal beings who have a heart that can relate to eternal God. So I'm going to say it the the opposite way. So the first way we said it was, when we focus on the spiritual and the eternal, suffering can make sense. When we understand we're in a spiritual war, and when we understand That this is just a tiny little slice of our existence. Second way to say it is suffering will never make any sense if you see yourself. Suffering will never make any sense if you see yourself as only physical and temporal. Three quick things. 
God's saving power is revealed in my sufferings, not my successes. Therefore, you can be authentic. What do you mean? You can be a failure. You can be in pain. You can be suffering. And you can say to your brothers and sisters, this stinks. I hate it. I hate every bit of it. You don't have to act godly. You don't have to act spiritual. You don't have to tell these, come up with these crazy excuses about how, well, this happened, and because I missed the plane, then this happened, and I didn't get an accident. You don't have to go through all that stuff. You don't have to do that. You get to go, where is God? What is going on? You get to be authentic. Why? Christ is shown in your brokenness and your suffering, not your successes. Number two, I'm sorry, not number two, but the other part of this is you live for eternity, not today. You, you get to live for eternity. Not this short little time. God is using this suffering to benefit others. You don't know how and you don't know where. Paul had no idea. Paul has never met Chris High. He had no idea that his ministry would change my life and my marriage and my kids. But it did. And my grandkids. But it did. His suffering changed my life. Your suffering changes people's lives many of whom you will never meet because this is a spiritual war. This is not a physical war. When you suffer and you serve Christ and you keep doing good when you want to quit because you keep getting kicked in the teeth, God is going to change people's lives. Suffering is temporary. Glory is forever. Whatever suffering you're going through right now, as bad as it is, as badly as it feels like this is my whole life, eternity is forever. I tried to think up an illustration of this. I actually couldn't. It's just too big. It's too long. It's too far. Look, I can't live like this forever. You don't have to. Maybe another 30 years. Maybe another 40 years. And then, reward for all eternity. The greater my suffering, the greater my glory. The greater my suffering, the greater my glory. Run out of time. If you want to hear about that point, you have to come to next service. We get to practice this. Uh, this is Hayden's house. There's a, a couple in our family, a family in our church, the Dorsets, who lost their child when he was very, very young. I, if I get a detail wrong, guys, forgive me. I think five months. 
and devastating. And through the years, they worked on healing. They worked on, they did a lot of suffering. And so uh, they came up with this idea to start a ministry, to minister to people, to parents who'd lost their child, which from a human experience standpoint is about the most devastating thing that can happen to you. And they did fundraisers, they end up, it's amazing, this organization that they created. And um, then they came up with this idea to buy a house where they could do retreats and have these couples come to these retreats. And I asked I ask them, okay, so what are you trying to get done? Listen to this. They learn, they want to, to help couples learn to weave their grief into their marriage. In other words, not run away from it, right? Not flee it and not fight it, but somehow value it. They would accept and that they would accept and appreciate the way their spouse grieves. And so they bought this house. They start doing these, these, this ministry, and, and it's happening. And then somewhere in the township is like, wait, we're not, I don't think they're zoned to do that. And then they came together in meetings. They're like, no, I think, I think neighbors came together and said, no, we, we can't have those kind of people here. And I won't go into details. You'll get really mad and run out to that town. And <laughs> but it's ugly. Like, it's really ugly. And so... This Tuesday is the last meeting. And they're going to go, and they're going to go, hey, listen, all that stuff you said, none of that's true. You should give us the opportunity to keep doing this. If they don't, if they don't do that, from what I understand, they have to cancel the rest of the treats for this year. So you get to practice this. First response, fight. Hurt those people, Right? That's the first response. The godly response is, okay, suffering is a part of this world. When I do good, people are going to hurt me. That's when Christ gets seen. Now, I want to be really, really clear about this. There's no way you ever get to the place you like this. That's not the goal. Paul did not like this. He understood the truth of it. So the other is flight. Like just, if I am sure they may not have, and I hope I don't put this thought in their mind, I am sure they thought more than once, the heck with it. We're done. I'm running. I'm out. I'm just trying to help people. Why should I have to go through this pain if I'm just trying to help people? That is at the core of who Jesus is. And so we have to turn to Jesus. So I'm asking a couple guys to come out and pray with me. I'm going to ask you, uh, if, you're, if this is your first time with us, no way you have to grab somebody else's hand. 
But I'm going to ask you to stand up and move to the center, grab each other's hands. If you happen to be single and it worked out really good that somebody else singles right there, then that's good. That's super. But uh, if you're a little odd about holding hands, don't do that. Like that's perfectly, that's perfectly fine. We we just want to pray for the door sets. This is what we're praying for. We're praying for God to go in front of them and, and vote in the affirmative that they get to keep doing that. We're also praying for the Dorsets to know that this pain does not compare to the glory that is coming. We also want the Dorsets to know that in this pain, Jesus is going to reveal himself to other people. They have no idea. They will not know until they get to, to eternity the lives that they're changing just by being willing to step in this arena and fight for these couples. So, you go first. You go second. Oh, we need a mic. We need a mic. Got the mic. God, we're coming here together um, as a family, God, to just pray and lift up um, Haiti's House of Healing. Um, we know that this is, is a tough time and there's lots of suffering going on, God, but I pray that during this time that everyone just keeps their eyes fixed on you, God, and know that they can lift up you and they can praise you during this time, God, during this suffering. And um, I pray that everyone can just band around them and be with them and be together and suffer along with them. Um, God, we know that during this time that all we have is you, God, and that you are our hope and you are their hope, God. Um, and we just thank you. God, again, we lift up to you at his house. Pray over the decision um, that's coming up that they'd still be able to continue to do their ministry and um, despite whatever suffering is happening at this moment. And we bind our hearts together now to lift them up and, and to be with them. God, ultimately, it is your glory that will be shown even through this. And so for that opportunity, we thank you and we give you praise. So we thank you, God, for all this I pray in your name. Amen. Heavenly Father, I... Bring Hayden's house before you first. Pray that uh, this Tuesday night, we ask you to go in front of the Dorsets. We ask you to go in front of the people who are voting and that goodness would win and that they would vote in the affirmative and that they would be able to keep having couples there and helping them to heal. I also pray that they would be able to turn their eyes to eternity in the midst of this and know that in this time when they, they're truly suffering, that you will reveal yourself. You will show yourself to people in ways they never, they could never imagine. Lord, I pray for them to be able to keep trusting you in the midst of this to keep speaking of you, to, to know that your spirit is what brings us to life, 
And you're going to bring them to life in the midst of all of this and others as well. Lastly, Lord, I pray that you would minute by minute whisper into their ear. This suffering is not to be compared to the mighty weight and the mighty glory that they are going to experience throughout all eternity because they're following you, because they're loving people in the midst of it being really, really hard. I pray for us as a church that we, we, not, we not stop praying. We continue to pray for them throughout this week. In your name we pray, amen.